Hello, friends, and welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. If you recall our last episode, we had planned on discussing our Bloodline Fortress, but we discussed it for so long that we decided to make the conversation an episode of its own. So, here is our deep dive on the town of Lectadbomrek. Lurid Whips. The Bloodline Fort that I laid the shaky foundations of. What's the name of the fort again? I can't remember. Oh, that's Bloodline a tough one. Fort? <laughs> <laughs> Bloodus Lineus. Yeah, we're gonna have to. We'll have to pick that out sometime, and because we need to have maybe an intro, special theme song for the Bloodline Fort. You know what? Mm. You're absolutely right. Maybe maybe I should. Um, I mean, I could even dump it into Legends mode and like look at it and see what's going on in the world, and we could talk about that stuff too. <laughs> could do a trailer in a world. <laughs> in a world, yeah. But it sounds like the, whenever you got it rolling, the, you were a little bit surprised at the lack of defensive preparation that I had done whenever I set it up, which is normal for me. I normally pay no attention to defenses whatsoever until I have, uh, until after the first caravan has come. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. A bold hmm. choice. Indeed. I do tend to plan ahead. Like I'm, I'm not trying to like sound full of myself. Okay, I'm, I'm, I, I still try to do things better than the last time. For example, one thing I've noticed is that you dug out in the dirt layer and you built the first part of your fortress in the dirt layer, which I've never done actually. I've always went down deep enough so that I have only stone to make like a stone fortress. That is because in the fortress, uh, sorry, in the tutorials that I have done, they all talked about the absolute first priority is getting your dwarves out of the open and into underground. And the quickest way to do that is to build your, uh, your, your depot location really close to the first entrance and then put a single wide uh, bottleneck between the depot and everything behind it so that you can close it off with uh, with doors or traps or whatever so that that is a little bit of protection. But yeah, the tutorials I've always done, that was just the way they did them. They, they built stuff right there in the first layer in the dirt. And then once you got everything set up and just a little bit sustainable, then you start digging down. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you can, I think it works. I mean, hey, whatever. I, I like doing, I like going to the stone directly and, and maybe this is just mental, um, but I like doing it because then you can smooth the stone and I, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I always try to do that for like mood management to like, oh, well, you know, if I smooth the stone, then they'll be happier. Hopefully, I don't know if that has any impact, but I felt like, yeah, I just felt like, well, mentally it made me feel better. And then it's like, if things got bad, I could have them engrave a little bit. And then they'd have something to read when they were in the dining room or whatever. I, I, again, I have no idea how that system works or if it makes any difference. But I just always assumed, well, this is the way I do it. You know, but it, it was cool. Like I said, I think the whole thing with the bloodline was awesome. Just seeing how other people approach it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea was that once things got established, that top level would end up being abandoned and everybody would move downstairs. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. I, okay, I get it. Yeah. Or, or maybe it becomes housing for the new um, migrants to the fort and then until, the, until they can make their own bedrooms in the main fort. Or, or, or the kindergarten. That's right. <laughs> or a giant farm. 
Oh yeah, that's right. About the, about the farm, um, Tony, you you saw what I did with the farm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Do you describe it. Yeah. So uh, first, uh, the farm that uh, Johan did was kind of in the entrance, and I was like, mm, no, this this won't work. Uh, mostly because I tend to like overproduce on food stuff. Mostly because when I played in the version before this, I had a ton of visitors and those guys always drank all my booze. And so I had to overproduce. And now there's no one really coming to my fort, but I still tend to overproduce. And I like to have my farms closed off of the rest so that even if I get sieged, um, I can just wall everyone in the tavern and the tavern is connected to the farm layer. But the farm layer isn't connected to the outside. So the farmer has to basically go down into the fortress, into the tavern, through the tavern, um, one layer up again, and then he is in the farming area. So that's nice and closed off. Cool. I look forward to, to taking a look at that. And I, I actually told him to stop cooking the mushrooms because... I found if they do that, then they end up cooking the whole supply. And oh, I think mm -hmm. cooking the mushrooms kills the seeds. And then eventually you run out of plump helmet spawn and the fort dies. I've had that happen a few times. Oh, um, yeah. So okay, damn. I, I told them to stop cooking, but they can still brew. And I guess brewing doesn't destroy the seeds. So that's cool. I don't know how that would work, but it doesn't matter. That's <laughs> how it does. So we'll just go with it. Well, you see, in brewing, you mostly use the mushroom stem and not the cap. And the cap is where the spores are. So, huh. let's let's actually contact some brewers to to get some mushroom wine made and see if ah oh God, I no. think you could. God, that would be god awful. That would be awful. Awful. Yes. awful. I don't know. There's, there's, no sugar, is there a high enough sugar content? I've got you know I do no. brewing, but I don't think you should do that. I'm pretty sure there are no carbohydrates in mushrooms at all. So no, you yeah, have that's, uh, sugar. Yeah. That's going to be a horrible, horrible thing to do. But if I ever make a batch, I'm going to send some to Toady. Say, <laughs> here's some Dwarven mushroom ale. Enjoy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I found... So it was interesting. When I, when I got the fort, there were some defenses up, which was awesome. But um, I usually build a siege entrance for my fort, which is to say I specifically direct invaders to a very convoluted route into the fort with mm -hmm. with traps and stuff so that you know they don't come in the front because if they come in the front then i feel like there's like dead bodies around and everyone kind of gets wigged out about the dead bodies yeah. so i built or started to build i don't know if i actually finished it but i started to build a siege entrance um and i think it was in in phases like i used a combination of stonefall traps which are marginally effective minimally effective and then just to get things going because it seems like there's no metal in the fort um, I used the Smashy Bridge, which is one of my favorite traps, which is you fill a hall full of, <laughs> of bridges, and then you just have a dwarf standing on a lever, pulling the bridges and smashing, 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 and that <laughs> quite often scares the siege away. Um, the like members of the siege go missing, and they're like, where did Sam go? I don't know. He's dead. Um, yeah, that usually freaks him out. But then the downside of that is there's no like stuff to take off the goblin corpses because it gets Adam smashed hmm. but it's a cheap and easy way to really hilariously destroy a siege dwarven whack-a-mole <laughs> yeah yeah I like it smashy bridge so if you time it like you put mechanisms on one bridge while the other one's up 
then you pull it and then they kind of trade places. So one goes down and the other goes up and it kind of becomes this nice little smashy bridge thing, which is oh, wham, 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 wham. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's like the next guy who made it through that one, the bridge didn't get me wham. And that's them. <laughs> and then by the time they try to retreat, they're of course retreating through smashy bridge. And yeah, it, it's, it's amusing if nothing else. <laughs> How about at the end of a, uh, at the end of everybody's year, they take a couple screenshots of their favorite points of interest in the fortress, and then we'll use those to put into the uh, to put it like on the website. Uh, oh yeah, for, for illustrations. I actually did a screenshot of the first artifact we, uh, we've got. Um, awesome. It's it's somewhere. Have have we had any attacks of any kind um, in in Bloodline? Like any were beasts or um, micro sieges or anything? Has anything happened bad? Um, I think uh, some birds stole seeds, but that's oh yeah, the worst I've I've gotten so far. Yeah, um, I I killed one of the dwarves because he was getting he started a fight in the tavern um, and like killed somebody else, and so I we had to deal with him in a very direct way. Cool. Oh, poor Dwarf. But it um, wasn't grumpy. Good, good. I don't know why, but um, I tend to, like, name the most grumpy Dwarfs so I can, like, check on them uh, more easily. And I usually tend to, like, take obvious names like Grumpy, for example. And since I've named them, I tend to also get a bit of emotional connection to them. And so for some reason, I tend to care about Grumpy more than other dwarves, even though he's a grumpy asshole. I thought it was hilarious because I I was looking at the dwarves and there was like, everyone was doing really well. And then there's just one that just was a a miserable, miserable git, you know, flashing red or whatever. And I was like, what is your problem? And then I click (laughs) on it and its name was Grumpy. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Got it. Good, good stuff. But then if you look at her description, it's something like she loves interacting with people, generally has a sunny disposition, a positive outlook on life. And I'm like, then why are you so miserable? What is going on with you? I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she just had like a bad year, I guess. Um, Maybe she got rained on. <laughs> I, I think I named uh, one other dwarf, but I don't exactly remember what I named him. Was it the uh, the doctor, I think? And that's then right. Dr. House. Yep, that's right. I saw that one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah mostly because I, I liked the series back then. And, and normally when uh, I find a uh, dwarf that has quite good diagnostic skills, I tend to make him the chief medical dwarf and name him Dr. House. Cool. like it. <laughs> I've oftentimes tried to um, get a goblin to join my fort and then I name that goblin chief medical dwarf just because I enjoy the idea of a goblin being called the chief medical dwarf somehow that satisfies me like oh oh, oh, Mr. Dwarf I see you have a cut there let me just uh, cut your leg off Uh... (laughs) should they trust the goblin I don't know but no this is a pure dwarf fort at this point there aren't any Nobody even came to visit, I noticed. I, yeah, I opened the right. tavern up to the world, too, because I thought, oh, let's get a little, let's get some friends in here. But nobody's coming. Where is everybody? What's going on? 
They're all elves. Aren't they all elves? All right. Right. I killed killed the elves. Uh, They they came to trade, and then I needed the animals that they had. And and then they got mad because everything was in wooden bins. And I wasn't even trying to trade the wooden bins with them, but I guess they saw them and then got mad. So I seized their stuff, and then they complained. So I just wiped them out. I hope that was okay. <laughs> you monster! Uh, no, it's it's fine. <laughs> well, Roland, they're elves. Roland, didn't you say that the entire world was filled with nothing but elves? Um, yeah, I looked at the map, and I was like super shocked when I saw that we had. I think maybe two or three human hamlets, two goblin fortresses or whatever, but the entire coast was littered with elves. And I was like, Ugh. oh no, that would well, be easy to kill, I guess. But um, that's that's bad news. I maybe I'll pop into Legends with it, and um, and we can actually like have a have a look at it. And talk more intelligently about the beautiful world around us. <laughs> well, part of the thing also is that the world, while I first said that I had done uh, 250 years, I think that you probably saw that I did 125. So it's a that, very young It's world. all good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, think it's, I think it's cool. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. It keeps the frame rates nice and high. Yeah, but um, it also makes less visitors. So that's a thing. Oh, that is interesting. Okay, because mm. I don't think I've played with a 125 year before. So, well, I, I just tried, and for some reason in older forts, I get just more visitors. I don't know if that's actually what's happening, and uh, you know. But I tend to think of that older worlds, more visitors, stuff like that. That makes sense. There's more things potentially. Yeah, yeah, uh, but but it's fine. Um, I just have to warn you, if we ever get any kind of animal person that wants to stay, I will let them stay because I love animal persons of any kind, especially if you have like dumb stuff like a snail man or a rat woman. Like, yes, please stay. (laughs) You get the good jobs. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I want that person. I want that person to be mayor. You know, a plump helmet man mayor would be the best thing ever. <laughs> yes, that would be great. Yeah, I, I tried once to get hyena people integrated into my fort, and I made it so that one woman actually became queen. And the same world, I'm I'm playing right now again with another fort, and. Another hyena man actually came to my fort and was like, "Hey ho, I'm I'm now working here with the migrants, with other dwarfs." And I was like, "Whoa, what are you doing here?" And it was fun. I gotta ask for a rewind here for a second. You said that you wanted your mayor to be a plump helmet man. Are there plant men? Yeah, um, uh, plump helmet men actually exist in the, I think, first and second cavern layer. They're quite rare. And they are really squishy, so just one hit from a dwarf will probably kill him. Okay, that reminds me of one of the monsters in the old early 80s Advanced Dungeons & Dragons that probably gave me the most most nightmares from actually seeing the little illustration of it in the monster manual. And, you know, I can't even remember what it was now, but it was a fungi man. It was a walking mushroom, and... 
for some reason, whenever I was 12 years old playing D&D, that just freaked me out to no end. I'll have to dig out my monster manual. So, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I yeah. never thought I never saw I've never seen plant people. I wonder if you could have a, a blackberry bush person. <laughs> this is like the cordyceps, you know, like the, the fungus that that um, like infects ants or whatever and ants and spiders and then basically destroys their brain and then turns them into a mushroom. Oh, yeah. Um, like the loss of us. Yeah, that's right. The, I, I think of a plump helmet man as being a pleasant version of that, not a nightmare version i mean like um, i just uh, feel like plump helmet men are just like hey how's it going you know like not i mean you're <laughs> your brain or yeah whatever. yeah 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 i imagine plump helmet man actually like a giant mushroom like a real mushroom completely mushroom like not weirdly humanoid or anything just a mushroom with like a friendly face on its stem and little arms and little leggies and, like hello guys you know what I want is I want the plump helmet man to like stand outside my tavern and flip a sign around, you know, like those guys do <laughs> to try to get more people into the tavern. Can, can we oh, do that? Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be cute. You said oh, flip hey. a sign. I thought you, I thought you meant like a gang sign. Like, like <laughs> gang no, signs. you know, those flippy. Yeah, yeah. 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 The plump helmet man gang. <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, about the update, you know, you can actually start a Plump Helmet Man gang. <laughs> oh my god, that would be hilarious. And the only thing you do with a gang is like, uh, go into taverns and steal all of the booze that is made from Plump Helmets. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's it's what the king will be used. It's a criminal organization. No, so this is amazing when he talks about um, using criminal organizations and bandit gangs, and that they've they've kind of he's kind of added it in, and so you can. And he describes his twenty five member gang with the leader hidden in an abandoned monastery, um, goblin childhood friends that do the organizing, and then it's like actually the one who's doing the. Yeah, that's actually doing the work behind the thing is the is the goblin friend from childhood. Yeah, and then there's an embezzler. So is like is the embezzler like a criminal within the criminal organization? Has he has he done that? Because that's pretty cool. That would be hilarious. I have to add that as soon as this comes out, I will sit down and try to break the game while playing like adventure mode. I will try to get like gang going and then take over a fortress and then basically play fortress mode in adventure mode using my my gang i guess i i hope this works like this would be amazing stupid but amazing i feel like i need to do more adventure mode which i don't do right now I just don't think it's quite there yet. Uh, it, uh, just from my point of view, I, I don't find the engagement there that I do in dwarf mode. Yeah, I'm using the meth tile set, which I think um, has problems in adventure mode. Oh, I, th I think it like it break like some of the rendering of things break because I know when you have conversations with it, sometimes like the whole screen gets completely erased by conversations and I can't figure out where things are supposed to be. So I think that I read that that was a known problem. And so I thought, oh, well, I could either use a different tile set or I'm not going to do that. So I guess I'll just put adventure on hold for now. But yeah, I think that's, I'm just going to blame it on that. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, the last adventure I did was some insect person and I completely forgot that I wasn't able to swim for some reason and I just drowned in like five minutes. Um, oh, yeah. yes, the deadly water. That's why I stopped doing moats in fortress mode because I ended up killing too many of my own dwarves. Like, <laughs> you know, they could they could survive a 10,000 goblin siege, no problem. But you put a moat there and everyone just dies like shallow water they're dead and uh, yeah like the moat just ended up being just chaos for the fort everyone was dying in it like oh well guess i'll <laughs> i guess i'll come up with other defenses huh so. i now have the save downloaded although my computer died and i have no windows machine at the moment the first components of my new box should be coming in tomorrow i'm hoping to have it assembled by the end of the week what i'm planning on doing is tonight going to the office and spending about four hours playing dwarf fortress on an office computer until from about maybe like nine o'clock tonight to one in the morning and uh and seeing what i can get done there so what do you guys don't forget to crank the frames up (laughs) i i I put the frame rate really high when I played it. That's why I, I think that's why I finished so fast is because I usually, especially early on with the forts, I put my frame rate up to like 300 frames per second and then let them do stuff. And then I hit pause and tell them to do more stuff. And then I, you know, and I pause it. So I, I definitely am abusing or using the frame rate thing. But see, I'm not sure that I know what to do next because, you know, typically whenever a fort gets to its third year or so, whenever it's under my full control, it is just in a in just a horrible mess, which, you know, that may speak to, you know, my preparation of fortresses and why, <laughs> you know, maybe I should think a little bit more about defense and all that to start with. But yeah, said, I mean, there's a siege entrance, so I think it needs more traps. And I think I haven't, I think I didn't open it to the fort so i think right now it's just a dead end with a bunch of traps so you did, you'll have to punch a hole in one end of it which i didn't do yet because i wanted it to be fairly stable before i let goblins into it but i mean that might be something to look at just see if you can see how i did smashy bridge and all that kind of stuff and then the main bridge for the i put a bridge in to keep people out of the fort as well okay i like bridges well, i'm a bridge builder i i love bridges no bridge never can builder. be too many never 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 too many bridges <laughs> I have not actually taken a look yet to see what you guys uh, have done with what I started with, but I think on the uh, on like the top level, I think that I put some uh, some temple areas in, but I didn't have the temples fully equipped yet. Oh, um, yeah, um, those gone now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I <laughs> took them out because I wanted to uh, make like a bit bigger temples and make them in one stone layer so I can uh, engrave at least one wall so I can put the picture of that goddess on the wall. I thought about doing that, but right now I think I just took out the temples and didn't do anything else. (laughs) Cool, cool, great. Um, Part of this, I'm using you guys to learn more about uh about fortress planning and like uh, all knowledge in the game is iterative like you learn one thing and then that's a gateway to like five other things and then you do that again and then it's a gateway to 10 other things and the next thing you know you're building minecart um and i'm not to that point yet but um <laughs> yeah. yeah i can i can keep it from getting killed by a siege i guess it's about all I 
Oh, definitely okay. one thing you can always do is just mine for metals. I, I'm not even sure if we actually have iron on the map. Oh, I don't know. You're right. I saw all that marble and I was like, oh, awesome. We're going to have steel. But then I couldn't find any iron at all. And yeah. I couldn't find any metal at all other than, other than gold. I did yeah. see a couple veins of gold. I went down, I punched through to the magma. Oh, that's that's the last thing I did is I started building. I started trying to figure out where to put magma forges. So, you know, be aware if they've punched through and they're down at the magma layer now. Okay. okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, I will uh, see what I can do tonight if I can make it back to the office. Use air quotes. Work. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, that's that's why I was in the office last night. I was I was trying to improve the server security. Yeah, that's it. Working. That's right. You're improving the security by sorting out the trap saw, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was planting a dwarven atom smasher right at the entrance to our colo. Yeah. Oh, you know what I did, um, which is a little non-standard. Uh, and I think maybe bears mentioning is I built rock forges, which is not part of the base game, but is part of the meth tile set. Um, and I don't know if it's his mod or if he incorporated it, somebody else's, but it, it's basically, it's a workshop where you can take stone and then carve it into very crude versions of weapons. So I built some like stone axes and stone axe heads or whatever is traps to, to fill in the traps hall since I couldn't find any metal. I think that they don't, they're not particularly sharp. I think they just do like, like mauling damage rather than chopping or cutting damage, but it's slightly better than a stonefall trap, but not brilliant in any way, shape or form. But anyway, if you see those workshops and you're like, what's this? That's the rock forge is what it's called. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Roland, did you kill the turkeys? Uh, what? No, no. No, 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 lots no. of turkeys. Lots of turkeys still. And, and turkey <laughs> eggs. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw turkeys. I got a bit triggered, but I just put the door there. Uh, I actually put some nest boxes in there because I wanted the eggs, but I just locked the door and said, like, <laughs> stay there. But I didn't kill them. Actually, really. I swear. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. I, I kind of expected to have no turkeys left whenever we came back in, so... But. It's this close to November in the U.S. We'll make sure our turkeys are still around. There's a couple things that I'd like to mention. Some people who made comments on our webpage, dfroundtable.com. I don't promote that enough in our, in our episodes. dfroundtable.com is the homepage for Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, so you can go there and you can comment and... We will comment back to you. Username probably Jody took our advice and listened into one of the episodes of uh, Dwarf Fortress Talk, the podcast the, that uh, Tony One and some of his friends made uh, years ago, and uh, they said they really liked it. So I'm happy to hear that uh, probably Jody dug that. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Also, Victor commented that he had checked out a dwarven dictionary that someone had built a person with a handle whether it's reddit or or twitter i don't know solitarian solitarian has built a dictionary of the dwarven language a codification of the dwarven language and i checked it out you could dive into it and it could be like you know trekkies learning klingon 
<laughs> there are a couple pages you can go to where somebody's done like an interior English word and it'll translate it to dwarf and back. And I found that really useful when I was trying to track people through legends because, you know, it'll have like Urist wet riches or whatever. But then in the game, it'll be Urist Snigithnas Sagastigil or whatever, you know, so you can kind of translate the untranslated or retranslate the non, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, the long way of saying that there's a web app that'll do that as well, which is pretty cool. But I, I just wanted to mention them uh, and I'd like to thank probably Jody and Victor for stopping by the website and leaving some comments. We love to hear from people who are uh, downloading and enjoying the show. We will do our best to, to get an answer back to you if you have any questions. Okay, I guess we'll wrap it up for uh, this episode and we will be back next time with more talk about everything dwarfy. Anybody else got anything they'd like to talk about before we say good day? Good day. Before we. Good day. Off we to Zen. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love it. Um, until next time, yeah. See you later. This has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Please stop by and leave a comment or suggestion in the comments section of this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. Music is Sky Q. Ellen, composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find Kevin McLeod's music at incompetech.com. You can find a link in the show notes. Toltotterish Nozum Tethush. Raven Crowns, the kind pantomime. This is a Oaken podcast. All Crafts Dwarfship is of the highest quality. It is encrusted with oval granite cabochons and decorated with oak. <laughs>